All right, so as Keith said, we are in a series in December called Christmas Conversions, where we are looking at some of the most enduring Christmas movies, four of the most enduring Christmas movies, uh, where a character undergoes a dramatic shift or in uh, perspective and attitude. And uh, last week, we looked at George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life, and this week's uh, Conversion is Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol. I think that Ebenezer Scrooge's uh, conversion is even more impressive than George Bailey's because, you know, George Bailey is a relatively good man uh, moving from despair to joy, converting from despair to joy. Scrooge is just a bad guy becoming a good guy, uh, which, you know, it's kind of like if It's a Wonderful Life was about Mr. Potter converting. Uh, rather than George Bailey. It's, it's really impressive, uh, Scrooge's change. Now, as you probably know, uh, A Christmas Carol is not just a Christmas movie. Before it was a Christmas movie, it was a Christmas book. It was published by Charles Dickens in 1843. Uh, I was reading that in October of 1843, Charles Dickens would go for long walks at night around London. 15, 20 miles uh, throughout the night, and he was constructing this story in his mind. And then after his evening walks, he took about six weeks to write A Christmas Carol, and he finished it just in time for Christmas season 1843. And it was a big hit uh, immediately after its release, and it's been a hit from, from then on. So here we are, 177 years later, and the story has endured. It is the definition of an enduring story. And there's numerous film adaptations of uh, this story. I, uh, we promoted this on social media this week that we were going to be talking about this. And there were several people that commented and said, oh, my favorite version is this one. And my favorite, nobody seems to agree uh, on what the best one is. Um, but it's remarkable to me that even back in 1901, okay, when film was just a totally undeveloped medium, movies were silent, all you could have was a camera pointed in one direction, that's it. Even then, people thought, this is the story we want to try and tell. Charles Dickens' A Christmas Story. I actually found footage of the version from 1901. It's, it's pretty funny. But I guess for the time, it was... Uh, it was pretty impressive. They somehow managed to get Marley's face on the door, you know, so. Um, for a lot of my life, it's been a Christmas Eve tradition to watch the 1951 version with Alistair Sim as Scrooge. Uh, although when I was a kid, I was, uh, I was partial to Mickey's Christmas Carol. Although when that door knocker turned into Goofy, it always gave me the willies. Uh, there's, a, there's another version from the 70s with Albert Finney as Scrooge. There's a version from the 80s with George C. Scott in the role. There's the version that the Muppets did in 1992. Uh, there's a version with Patrick Stewart from, uh, I believe it was 1999. There's the motion capture version with Jim Carrey as Scrooge. So, and that's just scratching the surface. There's a whole bunch more. So there's something about this story that resonates with people and that leads filmmakers to say, you know what, if we make it again, we'll make more money. So why is that? Well, that's partly what I want to talk about this morning. Why has this story uh, endured? 
So at the center of the story, of course, is Ebenezer Scrooge. And Dickens described Scrooge in a very memorable way. Uh, he said he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hard and sharp as flint, from which no steel had struck out generous fire, secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. Now, this might sound dramatic, but I would call Scrooge an antichrist figure. In a literary sense, he is an antichrist figure because he embodies the opposite of Christ-likeness. Think about this. Uh, Philippians 2 uh, verses 5 through 8 says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So what the Apostle Paul is talking about in this passage is what we celebrate at Christmas. Right? That God took on human likeness. That he became incarnate. Uh, that he so radically humbled himself that he was born as a baby in a manger for our sake, to save us from our sins. So to have an attitude like Christ is to have an attitude that says, I am willing to humble myself in order to bless others. I'm willing to sacrifice my social status in order to do what's right. It's an attitude that says, I'm not clinging tightly to my privileges, to my possessions, my money. I hold all of that loosely. But Scrooge, he's the complete opposite of that, right? Antichrist figure. Scrooge grasps, he clutches. Whatever privileges he has, whatever resources, he clings to them and he keeps them for himself. He hoards. He's ungenerous. He's the opposite of Christ. And yet, by the end of the story, Scrooge has moved toward Christ-likeness. He's converted. He's gone from being solitary to being in relationships. He's gone from grasping his wealth to letting it go to being generous with it. Uh, he's gone from mistreating his employee, Bob Cratchit, to promoting him and uh, telling him, you know, oh, you can put another coal on the fire, you know, keep yourself warm. We don't have to be freezing just to save a little bit of money. And he even becomes like, um, like an uncle to Bob's son, Tiny Tim. So, why has this story endured for so long? Well, I think one of the main reasons it has endured is because it gives us hope that this kind of change is possible. This dramatic shift. Um, now, of course, unfortunately, when we look at the world, we don't always see that kind of dramatic change, right? A lot of people remain entrenched in patterns of sin for their entire lives until the day they die, right? Patterns of greed, patterns of dishonesty, um, patterns of envy and unforgiveness, or all the above. But there are also people who experience remarkable conversions, Scrooge-like conversions. And if you look throughout history, what you will find is that 
an amazing number of, the pe of people who have these Scrooge-like conversions attribute the power for that conversion to Jesus Christ. Right? They'll say, I once was like this, but then I met Christ, and he changed me. He took me from being prideful and angry and unforgiving, and he replaced my hard heart with a, heart of, um, with a soft heart. His spirit filled me and transformed me. Some of you listening right now, I know, have stories that you could tell like that. And what I want us to appreciate is that there is a unique power for transformation that comes through Jesus Christ. I have never in my life heard someone say something like, well, I was a violent criminal, I was a, a drug addict, I had no respect for human life, and then one day I realized that there is no God, and that everything came from nothing, for nothing, and will eventually become nothing, and then I changed. Then I became a compassionate person. Then I, I was able to let go of my unforgiveness and be released from my addictions. Right? Nobody has a story like that. But there are so many people who have a story that goes like, I was a violent criminal. I had no respect for human life. I was uh, controlled by addictions and unforgiveness. But then I met Jesus and he freed me. He changed me. Now, of course, the story of Scrooge's conversion does not explicitly uh, attribute his conversion to Jesus. However, one could argue that it's implied because the whole story is centering around Christmas, right? Which is the celebration of Christ's birth. But, you know, whether Charles Dickens in intended for this to be an allegory of Christian conversion or not, it's a great allegory for Christian conversion. And what I want to focus on for the rest of this morning is how this story uh, depicts things that are true about Christian conversion. Um, so, as I'm sure you remember, Scrooge's conversion begins with a supernatural encounter. Uh, first, he encounters the ghost of his former partner, Jacob Marley, who's been dead for seven years. Uh, Marley comes to visit him on Christmas Eve night. And Marley is covered in these heavy chains. And he says to Scrooge that because of the life that he's been living, he's been building link by link even heavier chains that he is going to carry for all eternity. Unless, unless he changes and there is hope for transformation. And the way that it will come is through these three spirits, the spirit of Christmas past, present, and future, visiting him that night. And somehow, uh, these spirits will provide Scrooge with an opportunity to change. So this brings us to the first reason why this story is a, a good allegory for Christian conversion, which is because Scrooge's conversion begins with supernatural encounter. It begins with supernatural encounter. You know... The same thing is true for us. Okay, we need a supernatural intervention. Now, not an intervention of ghosts. Okay, I want to be clear about that. But we need an intervention of the Holy Spirit. Left to our own devices, we just continue in our patterns of sin. We remain stuck in them. But when the Holy Spirit intervenes, he opens up this possibility for transformation and change. 
But often, just like in Scrooge's case, when the Holy Spirit is calling us towards transformation, we are reluctant. Scrooge is reluctant. In my favorite film version of this story, he is reluctant pretty much through the whole thing. Uh, in, in the beginning, when, when Marley says that there's a chance uh, that he can be spared from the same fate as him, Scrooge is, you know, well, what is it, he asks. And, and Marley says, well, you'll be visited tonight by three spirits. And Scrooge says, oh, well, then I'd rather not. Very reluctant. Uh, and later, uh, when he's talking to the spirit of Christmas present, he just says, I'm too old to change. I'm too old. And yet, these spirits of Christmas do their work anyway. They still work to draw him towards transformation. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit works to draw us despite our reluctance. Um, Because we are reluctant, because we are sinful, we need God's intervention. We need supernatural, divine intervention. We can't just summon the strength for transformation on our own. Second reason this story is a good allegory for Christian conversion is because Scrooge's conversion involves recognizing his sin. It involves recognizing his sin. Early on in the story, Scrooge seems to think of his sin as a good thing. Uh, he, he, he doesn't see it as greed. He doesn't see it as cruelty. It's good business practice. But the spirits of Christmas help him to see that no, actually his sin is a shameful and harmful thing. The spirit of Christmas past helps him to see how his love of money ruined uh, his engagement to a woman who loved him and isolated him. The spirit of Christmas present helps him to see how his greed and unkindness is affecting other people, specifically uh, the Cratchit family. Uh, Bob Cratchit, his employee, uh, we get to see their home on Christmas Day. And when Bob raises his glass to toast uh, to Scrooge, his wife gets very angry and she says, only on Christmas Day would I drink to the health of such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. And it's really hard for Scrooge to hear that. You know, in that moment, he's being exposed to the fruit of his actions in other people's lives. And he feels the the shame of that. And then the spirit of Christmas future gives him a vision where uh, Bob Cratchit's son, Tiny Tim, has died, partially because of Scrooge's negligence with his employees. Um, And then... He gets a a vision further in the future where he has died and nobody mourns his death. They just make jokes about his passing and all they care about is where his stuff is going to go, who's going to get it. And so through all that, Scrooge is awakened to how, how shameful and harmful his behavior is. And that is something that often happens when the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit helps us to realize uh, how, how damaging our sin actually is. Uh, I'm reminded of the story of Zacchaeus in the Gospel of Luke. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. So not just a tax collector, but a chief tax collector. And he was regarded by his peers as a great sinner. And when Jesus comes to town, 
and he, he, he sees Zacchaeus, he says to him, I must go have lunch at your house today. You know, he basically invites himself over. And, and Zacchaeus just finds it remarkable that this holy man would want to have anything to do with him. And his reaction is to say, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now, why did he say that? Because something about that encounter with Jesus awakened him to the reality of his sin, right? All the ways that he had taken advantage financially of other people. And it, it convicted him. He immediately wanted to repent because of that encounter with Jesus. And that is the kind of thing that happens when we encounter Jesus, when the Holy Spirit is at work. We become aware of our sin, and we have a desire to make things right. Third reason this story is a good allegory for conversion is because Scrooge looks honestly at his life. Scrooge looks honestly at his life. The, the spirits of Christmas, they don't just reveal Scrooge's sin to him. They also help him to understand how he's become the man that he is. Unfortunately, not all film versions include these details, but in the original story, the spirit of Christmas past reveals that Scrooge was resented by his father. And the reason was because when Scrooge was born, his mother died in childbirth. And his father irrationally blamed Scrooge uh, for her death and, and resented him all his life uh, because of that. And so the first memory that we get of Scrooge's past is of him as a boy at his boarding school. And he's alone on Christmas Day. Um, and the reason is because his father cares so little about him that he won't even pay to bring him home on Christmas. Now, it should be obvious to us why this is one of the memories that the Spirit reveals, right? Because it helps Scrooge to make sense of why he is the way he is. And it helps us as the audience to make sense of why Scrooge is the way he is. Scrooge didn't feel loved by his father. And when a child feels unloved and resented by a parent, that has profound consequences on his or her psyche. You know, to put it metaphorically, it's as if we are all born with an empty well that needs to be filled with the water of love. And if it isn't filled, then we become desperate to fill it. And we will find all kinds of unhealthy ways to try and fill it. You know, for Scrooge, he tried to fill it with money. He became greedy in, in the effort to fulfill that, that well in his soul. And it also led him to become miserly. He, he couldn't even spend the money that he had, right? He just hoarded it. Why? Because that money for him, it wasn't just money. It was the replacement for the love that he never had. And of course, that memory of Scrooge at the boarding school also helps us to understand why he hates Christmas so much, right? Because if your earliest memories of Christmas are sitting alone in a drafty school when everyone else has gone home, 
because your dad didn't love you enough to pay for you to come home, I don't think Christmas is going to stir up nostalgic, warm feelings. Right? Christmas is going to stir up feelings of resentment. And uh, it might even lead you to consider it a humbug. So through that memory and others, the spirit of Christmas past helps Scrooge to reflect honestly on his life. And that helps him to understand himself a little bit better. It helps him to see the big picture of his life so that he can process it and heal from it. And Christian conversion involves something similar. It doesn't always involve it at the moment of conversion, but it should at least include it as we grow in our faith. Which is that over time, the Holy Spirit works in us to give us perspective on our lives. He helps us to understand our life story. You know, often before our conversion, we don't look back on our past in a, health, in a healthy way. Uh, one way I've, I've heard it put is that we live reflexively out of our woundedness. Okay, whatever our wounds are, we just kind of live in response to those without thinking about where they came from and uh, how we might be able to move past them. But when the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, he helps us to look back, understand, and heal. Now, unfortunately, although the Holy Spirit wants to do this for us, like Scrooge, I think often we are reluctant. Because like Scrooge, sometimes the coping mechanisms that we've developed to try and fill the empty well in our souls have become habits. And habits can be very hard to break. But one thing that helps us to get past that resistance is to remember the message that is at the heart of the gospel, the message that is at the heart of Christmas, which is that God really does love us. He really does. God came from heaven to earth to save us, from glory to a manger, from the highest high to death on a cross, and he did that for our sake, to rescue us, to save us. That's how much he cares. You know, when we really take that in, when we really start to believe that, the empty well in our souls begins to fill. And as it fills, that helps us to look honestly on our past, to understand it, and to heal. Because it stops us from being so guarded. It brings our walls down. Because when we understand the love of God, we know no matter how messy our past is, God is not condemning us. He's welcoming us. God doesn't want to destroy us. He wants to redeem us. So we don't have to lie about what's gone on in our past. We don't have to sugarcoat it. We can look at it honestly. You know, I was thinking, it might be helpful to use what we see in a Christmas story as a prayer exercise. And what I mean by that is imagine that you're in a situation like Scrooge, and you are going through your life and, and observing some of the most significant moments. But instead of the spirit of Christmas past being with you, it's Jesus. And Jesus is showing you the moments that were the most formative, the most important. 
and he's, he's helping you to understand them. I would encourage us to try that, that exercise, you know, spend some time alone this week, take a walk, and just say, Lord, take me through the significant moments in my life, you know, the, the events that have shaped me for good or for bad, the, the, some of the events that have created wounds in me. Take me back to those moments, and rather than me uh, experiencing them, help me to look at them and observe them with you by my side and understand them and, and help me to have your perspective on them rather than simply my own. And I realize that exercise could involve returning to some painful things. But if you're returning to those moments with Jesus... It can give you a new perspective. It can help you to heal. You know, if you're returning to a moment where you were betrayed or rejected, you know, hear Jesus saying, I will never betray or reject you. Hear Jesus saying, those people told you that you have no value, but they don't get to define your value. I define your value. I value you. You know, I think that exercise could be very illuminating and very healing. A fourth reason that this story is a great allegory for Christian conversion is, this is probably one of the most obvious ones, is Scrooge experiences mercy. Scrooge experiences mercy. You know, as Scrooge looks back on his life, there are times where he is so overwhelmed by shame and guilt that he can't even look at it. He says, Spirit, don't show me anymore. I can't, I can't look. You know, he knows he's guilty. He knows that he's worthy of punishment. And then when he sees where his life is headed, to a lonely death where nobody mourns for him, he begs for a second chance. And it's given to him. He's given a second chance. And that is a picture of what God does for us. Right? He gives second chances. He is merciful. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 through 5. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And then finally, this is a great allegory for Christian conversion. Because Scrooge experiences joy. And Christian conversion leads to joy. Scrooge has joy, joy over being alive, joy of having a, a second chance, joy over being generous, right? He, he's, he's learned how to take delight in giving, you know, not in grasping and clutching, but in releasing and in, in being generous, not in hoarding, but in giving. And that's what Jesus does to us. He helps us to learn how to, to take delight in what is good, to take delight in love, in generosity. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I love to hear a good conversion story. And Scrooge is a great conversion story. Uh, but I thought it would be fun to close today with a story that's a little less allegorical. Um, one that is just straightforwardly a testimony of somebody um, experiencing transformation through Christ. So I, I found a good one online. Uh, this is a testimony 
that is uh, used in the Alpha course. If you're familiar with the Alpha course, they uh, share some really good testimonies in that. Um, in fact, if we had more time, I would uh, share one of the longer ones. But this was a, a short one uh, that I thought would be good to end on. So uh, I hope this encourages you as much as it does me. Let's listen. started drinking heavily, she would beat me, slap me and prevent me from going to school because of the marks on my face. just wanted love, I wanted acceptance, I wanted approval. So because I wasn't getting it at home, I was getting it on the streets with the older boys. I nearly lost my life a few times from gunshot wounds, a machete in my head, I was paralysed on my left side. I got shot with a um, sawn off, I got stabbed in my chest. I just become a menace. I didn't care about my own life, let alone anyone else's. 15 year, years old, I got locked up and I went to Feltham. Prison, eventually, it became my, um, my home. I'd always want to change, but I, I just didn't know how to change. I'd have all the best intentions, but it just wasn't happening. There was this light and dark just battling the the identity that's been created from my circumstances, my situations, my environment, to wanting change, wanting um, to break free from, but not knowing how. Throughout my journey within the prison institutions, I always used to go to the Alpha course. I'll go to the chapel. I'll go to Wednesday Bible study. So there was growth, a spiritual growth going on, but it didn't last long because of the environment of when I went back out into the community and uh, the light would end up dying out. And then 2012, I, I prayed out to God. I was in a prison cell once again, but this time I prayed out with my whole heart and I went to sleep that night. And when I went to sleep, it was like I was in the spirit realm and I started vibrating from head to toe. And then I woke up, I felt totally free. I'd spent so much time within prison, not just within prison, within um, the building, but prison within my own mind. The last two years of me being um, in prison was the best part of my life because it was molding me into the character that I was to be for my release. The Alpha team were my spiritual family. They are the, the influences, apart from obviously the Spirit of God. And my life has is, is never been the same since. Alpha course there that was being referred to is a course that's designed to help introduce people uh, to Jesus and to experience uh, the conversion that he brings. And uh, we've done that, uh, the Alpha course here at St. Paul's uh, in the past. We did it um, not last summer, but the summer before. And if it weren't for COVID, I think we'd be doing it again. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, do it once more uh, once the, the pandemic pass, passes. But um, 
I imagine, chances are, if you're, you're watching right now, uh, you have experienced the conversion that Jesus brings. But there's a chance that maybe you haven't. Uh, and maybe that's something that you want. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray to close us in a moment. And I'm also going to pray a, a prayer on, on your behalf. If you are somebody who uh, has never put your faith in Jesus, never experienced uh, this conversion uh, that I've been talking about. Um, and uh, I just encourage you to pray that with me if that's the, the desire of your heart. Lord, we thank you uh, for this special time of year uh, that reminds us of you. Um, Obviously, there's a lot uh, about the holiday that doesn't uh, necessarily call you to our minds, but this is the Christmas season, and uh, it's an opportunity to remember um, that you came into the world, um, that you left your privileges uh, to be born as a human uh, so that we might be saved. And Lord, I just pray that this Christmas season would, uh, would, would remind us of that, um, that, it, that this this truth would be very real to us during this season. And Lord, right now I pray for anyone who may be listening who desires to experience uh, a Scrooge-like conversion, uh, a conversion from death to life, and, uh, and, and, and hasn't, Lord, doesn't know you. Uh, Lord, right now I want to pray on their behalf. Lord, I recognize uh, that I have gone astray I recognize as I look on the story of my life that, uh, that there's a lot of mistakes and that I've experienced brokenness in many ways. And uh, Lord, I want to invite you to help me to understand my story. I want to invite you into that brokenness. And Lord, I recognize that uh, you are welcoming me uh, into your family despite all that brokenness, despite all that sin, and that you want to redeem my life. And I recognize that, that the way that I know that you want to redeem my life is because of Jesus, um, because Jesus Christ uh, entered into this world uh, and lived and suffered and died a death in my place uh, so that my sin would not have to condemn me. And Lord, I don't necessarily understand all of that, but um, I, I want to trust that that is true, and I welcome you to change me uh, through that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.